Hello, and welcome to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. We are back on our season one recap, starting today with episode two, A Touch of Evil, in season one. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski, and I am joined, as always, by the wonderful Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, how are you doing today? I'm tired because I went out last night, but it's my own fault. I'm going to try and power through um, for for the listeners. You and me both, although I went out and didn't drink so I don't think that that I really didn't, counts. I'm not hung over. I didn't really drink. I only had like one or two drinks but it was just so late. We went to a drag show and like the main event didn't start until well after 11 and Yikes. I wake up early for work so I just I'm sleepy but it'll be okay. Well that sounds fun at least. We are also joined today by my friend Hannah Elam and Hannah how are you doing? I'm doing well. I uh did not do anything on a Friday night, and well, I worked on a puzzle, so great oh, nice. eventful evening. Did you at least complete the puzzle? No, it's a thousand pieces. I've been working on it for like a couple days. Okay, good, good enough. <laughs> I did a puzzle once that was the uh, one of the scenes from the very first Mario game, and 80% of the puzzle was just blue sky, so it took, safe to say it took a long time. I don't even think that's fun when it's basically just... Like, try each piece. There's no rhyme or reason. You can't really. No, that's domestic win at that. terrorism. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Having to do puzzles. <laughs> I love puzzles, though. I got a new Harry Potter puzzle for Christmas. So I'm very excited to do that eventually. That's cute. It is. So, so season one, episode two, that we are now on, I forgot how much this episode is just. I usually think back on season one and think that each episode felt really concise and to have like one plot. This episode is basically just episode one part two it's the fallout of everything that happened in the first episode and doesn't i don't know it's probably my least favorite episode of the two we've seen so far uh yeah it definitely is a slower moving uh i watched this one last week with episode one so i think that's why i was having trouble kind of distinguishing between the two now looking back is that it just is so intertwined with episode one so i don't know that there's a lot to unpack here Yeah, not as much, um, but on the upside, it is not completely insane. So for all of you who have not made it to season two and three yet, just enjoy nice, calm, happy Riverdale for a little while longer. A very little while longer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, season one is short, too. We're going to blow through this. So this episode starts off much like episode one, just so happy with our beautiful Jughead voiceovers we had. Jughead says... I think many of us, maybe the entire town, had been hoping against hope that somehow Jason Blossom hadn't drowned on July 4th, that we'd come to school Monday morning and there Jason would be, or that we'd see him and Cheryl in a booth at Pops. And during all that speech that he's going through, we get these little, I don't know if they're flashbacks or if they're supposed to be more like um, dream sequence vision-y kind of things of what school would be like with Jason, except Jason is just staring at the camera the whole time, so it's really creepy, and he's still not saying anything, because Jason doesn't talk, apparently, but, and, and him and Cheryl, what'd you guys think of them sharing the milkshake at Pops? I'm calling the police on any Jason and Cheryl scene that we have seen or will see. It's just, they're trying to make it creepy. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, that's why they cast him as Jason, right? Because he's the most terrifying man ever born. Well, and two, he just doesn't... I think he's probably the one character that's in the most number of episodes where he's very well seen but says nothing. I mean, I don't think we get any episode where Jason says anything, which is fine. 
I guess because he's dead, but it's yeah, just he's it dead. makes it doesn't matter. Makes it creepier. He yeah, he's yeah. creepy and I don't want to know what he has to say anyways because of how creepy he is. And I I like the fact that he looks like he could be Cheryl's twin, but he doesn't look like he would have been a jock or the most popular guy at school by any means. But that's what we're supposed to believe he was, which is crazy to me. It's like and if he looks like Cheryl's twin, it's like you know how sometimes like a pregnancy will start as twins and then one twin absorbs the other twin. It's like that happened except for Cheryl absorbed all of the attractiveness. I did not know this. Wait, enlighten me on what in the world this pregnancy thing you're talking about is. Like sometimes people get pregnant and it starts out as a twin and then one twin absorbs the other twin and then they just what do you have mean one absorbs baby. Them? Like I'm not a scientist. I think they like take the they like they become one baby when they were it's like called vanishing twin syndrome or something like that. Is that the thing where sometimes you'll have a person who has, like, a cyst and then they open it up and there's, like, extra teeth and stuff in there? Is that what you're talking about? Oh, maybe. That's horrifying. <laughs> I've never I know heard that's of a that. Thing. Um, okay, so moving past creepy Jason, let's go ahead and break down this episode by going through the main plot lines by character. And I guess since it's Riverdale, we should start with Archie because, let's face it, he still doesn't really do that much. Let's get it over with. So Archie is stressed out. He's having sort of PTSD about the gunshot that he heard, and he goes to Grundy's house shirtless in the middle of the night, because who doesn't just show up at their teacher's house? Surprisingly, not in his Letterman jacket. I was shocked to find that he just doesn't sleep in that thing, too. I know. Well, you know, that that would be a lot to wear. He would be (laughs) sweating so much, it would have made his abs just glisten, you know? And I'm glad we didn't have to see it because Archie's stupid and I refuse to be attracted to his dumb abs. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So Archie, he goes over to Miss Grundy's house and she opens the door and I'm like, once again, oh, okay. She, when she has her hair down, she looks cute and everything, but then immediately just puts her glasses on and kind of, look, I wear glasses. There's nothing wrong with wearing glasses, but I feel like she doesn't need to. It's like she's trying to make herself seem older or I don't know if it's the whole like librarian thing what's the age difference between the actors like how old is the actress who plays Miss Grundy because it could be a thing where the glasses are needed to make her look like she's at all older than him Sarah Habel or Habel or something is the actress who plays Miss Grundy and she is 36 years old so she's a good 16 oh wow 14 to 16 years older than the, than KJ Appa, who plays Archie. She does not so, look that old at all. Sometimes when she speaks, just the way her mouth moves make her makes her look older. But but yeah, generally I wouldn't have I wouldn't have pegged her for necessarily being thirty six. I'm a really bad judge of age though, so I don't really think I should be the one counting. Well, it's because on this. we watch these shows and the people who play teenagers are so old that we have no idea what people actually look like anymore. <laughs> Exactly. The CW is just skewing our expectations of what hot 14-year-olds are supposed to look like. There's no such thing as a hot 14-year-old. <laughs> okay. Probably the safest way to think about it. So Archie gets home and his dad catches him and says, or I guess it's the next morning, his dad calls him out on having snuck out the night before. He knows that Archie was sneaking out and that he's been sneaking out since he, he was eight years old to go visit Jughead's treehouse. So once again, we're getting information that Jughead and Archie were friends and have been friends since they were eight, presumably. But it doesn't seem like Fred knows that they're not friends now. He doesn't really he doesn't really mention it, but it, it's just sort of a... We're kind of having to piece together this whole Jughead-Archie friendship thing. 
like, I don't, maybe I'm wrong. Like, Hannah, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, have we seen any evidence that Archie's dad actually has any idea what's going on in his life? I don't think so. I I don't think any of the parents truly know what's going on in their children's life, except for maybe Alice. She seems to be pretty up in, in Betty's business. Oh, she's so nosy. I don't know how y'all's families were, but, like, growing up, I always had the feeling that, like, I never really snuck out. I felt like I probably could have and could have gotten away with it. But there were definitely some things that I, you know, wouldn't share with my parents. But I felt like they, even though they didn't call me out on it, like, they knew what was going on. They just sort of chose to not, like, innocence is bliss, kind of, like, chose not to talk about it. So I feel like, I feel like what parents don't know, I don't know. I, I would think it would be really hard to have, like, an affair with my teacher and for my, my parents not to even suspect that something was up. Well, yeah, and, like, with my, like, I certainly could not have snuck out successfully because my mom had, like, the weirdest sixth sense. Like, even when I was away at college, if I was, like, doing something that could possibly be seen as irresponsible, I would miraculously get a text from Vanessa. Like, she always knew, so. That's very Emily Gilmore of her. My parents are pretty dialed in. Yeah, I guess everyone's different, but Fred, he seems concerned, but he doesn't seem like he really knows what's going on. Then we have a scene in the biology class where they are dissecting a frog and Archie wants to be partners with Cheryl, I guess just more of his sort of guilty conscience about her brother dying. And Cheryl is downright creepy in this scene, just like stabbing the frog and definitely not dissecting it like you should be. She's uh, she's pretty hardcore. I like Cheryl. And one thing too, watching back on these older episodes is like, Cheryl has the best wardrobe. She really does. She wears a lot of the, like, high-waisted fitted shorts and not exactly crop tops, but maybe showing a tiny little bit of belly. I just, every item of clothing Cheryl wears in season one, I want. Lots of red. You look good in red, though. Well, red is so. my color, so. Yeah. As decided by, uh, by Canadian Big Brother, red was your color. Yeah, I don't have a choice. Red is just my color now. So Archie is testing out his new lyrics of uh, his brand new song that it, that his friends all want to listen to. What do you guys did you did you think this song was any better? I mean, it was the lyrics were definitely better. The lyrics for this one were "Come on, turn the radio on, and honey, we'll dance, dance, dance for the rest of the night. I'm not ready to go." At least I can understand that being a song. It's better than the the bringing the reckoning. He didn't try to rhyme as much. Um. And can you remind me, what kind of tune did this song come to? Because I literally don't remember this. Well, I'm not going to sing it on tune because I can't. But they were listening to this song at at lunch, I guess, outside of the table. Archie is, he's I think he's playing the guitar along while he's singing. Um, but they're not, unlike the last time when they were like listening to his music being played on the computer, this time he's actually singing in person. Did you guys ever have people in high school just like bring a guitar to school and at lunch like play it even if they were outside I feel like that doesn't happen I remember one guy bringing a guitar he was in I was in theater when I was in high school and he was also in theater and I think he just played it like around rehearsals and not necessarily around school I don't remember people just walking around with guitars and playing were you outside though or was he like in the auditorium or the drama room or something I think we were in the drama room Okay, so that's a little more understandable. Band room, drama room. I like people. People I knew would go to like practice rooms near the band room and play. But 
I don't yeah, know. no, that doesn't happen. That's just not real. Please tell us in the comments if you had anyone who acted remotely like Archie Andrews. And were they popular or were they a social pariah? Well, okay, see, that's the thing I don't get is, like, based on the comics, Archie is supposed to be, like, the American boy, like, the quintessential, I don't know. Yeah, he's all American. Boy. Right, but he doesn't act like a real person. I mean, I know the comics were, you know, were written a long time ago or they were started a long time ago, but... At any point was someone this just like focused on themselves and all of their little problems are the biggest thing and he just doesn't seem normal to me but I appreciate the other characters. The song though does make Betty sad and she she thinks back to the dance from the episode before so like I said fall out from that and she's sad and she storms off and Archie tries to go after her but the principal pulls him aside and is talking to him about, like, Archie had been acting suspicious in the hallway earlier, and so he wants to know if Archie has any information about Jason's death. And I I feel like this is just put in here to heighten Archie's paranoia, because I don't think just sort of not making eye contact with the principal would have led to, oh, he must be a murderer. Well, and why is it the principal's responsibility to solve a murder? Isn't it his responsibility to make these kids, like, go to school? Why does... Like, it's not his fault or his problem. It seems like the adults are kind of all trying to take responsibility. Um, We also see him just continually with Sheriff Keller. And one of the things that he mentions is, you know, tell... If you have anything about Jason's death, tell either me or Sheriff Keller. So I think he's just trying to help the children feel safe maybe if they're talking to the sheriff it's more threatening but if they're just talking to their principal maybe it's not as bad yeah but he acts like a cop yeah i i I get that but like for me because right the beginning of the episode we have sheriff and the principal on the announcements telling everyone basically to come forward if they have any information but like that's I, i don't know if you guys we had i think at least one uh no we probably had more probably like two deaths of students um, throughout my high school, uh, my four years there. And news definitely got around to the other students, but there was never, if there were ever any announcements or if any of the teachers or principal mentioned things, it was basically more like in remembrance, we're mourning, come to this, you know, ceremony or feel free to leave, you know, flowers by their lockers, stuff like that. We definitely didn't have like investigations going on even even if it was, I mean, given no one was, like, murdered in that type of way, but it, it just seems like that's the kind of thing that you would have to go through parents first to make sure it's okay to, like, mention to their children, hey, we're going to be investigating kids at school. That was the part that kind of threw me off. That's a really good point that I hadn't even thought about, where they need to be better about making sure parents, like, know what's going on. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that the Blossom family is involved in some way. Um, just wanting to make sure. I mean, it clearly seems like Cheryl is, but I don't know. We don't get a whole lot about what her parents' role in all this is in terms of, like, do they want, you know, to maybe they're the ones running this investigation. But anyway, Archie freaks out about this and doesn't tell the principal anything, but then he goes to Miss Grundy again. So, you know running to her twice and basically says, like, I really want to tell. We know something. We're going to get caught. And she just keeps insisting that 
you know, her job is at stake. She could go to jail. He could get expelled. She actually says they both could go to jail, which, um, I'm not sure how dating your teacher goes, but I definitely don't think Archie would get in trouble for this. I think like, it's he might be the withholding information that he would go to jail for. I don't think he would go to jail at all. He's like a 15-year-old boy who has like the smallest amount of information and they also weren't investigating it as anything suspicious up until this point, right? So it's not even well, like... yeah, there's that. And there's also like, I, I clearly think, I, I, I think that what Miss Grundy's obviously more worried about is like getting caught for dating a student or having sexual relations with a student at the very least like that seems to be her priority not so much the withholding information thing but i feel like all archie would have to do even about that is just say well i wanted to come forward but miss grundy told me not to and then he's off like she's the adult here in this situation so i don't know i don't think archie has anything to worry about clearly she's just lying to him to to protect protect herself. herself yeah yeah Later on with Archie, we get him telling a cute story about him and Betty being in second grade, because Betty's still upset about the whole dance thing and the Veronica kissing incident. Um, and I thought this, like, moment was cute, but it was kind of a, see, look, we're friends, believe us, even though we're starting off this show not really acting like friends at all. So, I don't know. The whole Betty-Archie relationship thing, it just seems like she... I. I didn't really ever, like, I had crushes in elementary school, but I don't think I ever stayed, like, close friends with someone for so long while, like, harboring a crush on them. So I don't know how how she would have handled that. It just seems like a lot to handle. Poor Betty. Yeah, I feel really bad for Betty. Obviously, she's, like, been obsessed with Archie forever. I'm, like, trying to think about the longest, like, duration of a crush on a friend I've had, and it's, like, probably under a year because you just, like, get over it. Yeah, I mean, either you find out they're not interested or they're dating someone else. I don't know. Hannah, you're the married one, so. Yeah, we should be definitely uh, letting Hannah tell us about anything relationship-related since she has a (gasps) successful relationship. Yeah, exactly. We're not the, we don't know anything. Uh, Doesn't, doesn't work. Um, What'd you guys think about Reggie this episode not being as chill of a bro? He was a little meaner. I wasn't as happy with him. He just, he just taunts, he taunts Kevin and Moose, and Moose is supposed to be his pal. And then he is, like, messing with Jughead all episode. I want you guys to rank here, both of you. Which of these insults, because he calls Jughead, he gives him three different nicknames. He calls him Wednesday Adams, he calls him Donnie Darko, and he calls him Suicide Squad. Which one of those would, would sting the most? Probably Wednesday Adams. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like that one's also the most accurate, <laughs> so... Getting into Jughead's mindset, I really, I feel like I need to put on a toque or something. Um, <laughs> like, I feel like... To he, channel Jughead, like, cha- you have to put the hat yeah, on? Yeah, you have to channel Jughead. So you have to be as, like, emo as possible. He probably loves, like, all these, like, quippy pop culture references. He's like, I'm living. Like, none, none of this is going to hurt him. Come on. I don't think any of the characters that he mentioned in, you know, as nicknames, I don't think any of them wear beanies so i don't know are there any are there any prominent like references he could have made about someone wearing a beanie because i feel like now people would just say jughead like in real life um like a south park character maybe oh yeah like stan something like that 
But those aren't um, as accurate to how he acts in school. And that's what he's trying yeah. to get at. Yeah. Well, although, like, I, given I haven't seen Suicide Squad, but I, like, what what does that one even mean in relation to him? It's not like he's calling him the Joker. Is he just Does it mean creepy? Jughead's, like, a criminal who now is becoming a good guy? I don't know. Like, that, that's what I'm saying. He, some of the references in the show, they just throw them out because they want to say something, but they don't actually really make any sense. No, they put in references because they want to be a smart, quippy show like Gossip, um, not Gossip Girl, Jesus, um, like Gilmore, Gilmore Girls. Girls. Thank you. Um, and, but they're just not. Yeah, they try. Hey, you got to give Riverdale props for trying. They okay. try a lot. Yes. But yeah, Archie is, uh, like, he's just sort of going off the rails this whole episode, and his dad is suspicious of him. He's just upset about this whole Grundy thing. And he kind of tries to... He, so he gets in a fight with Reggie because Reggie is taunting Jughead. And then he goes home and his dad is upset because Archie's a good boy and he's not supposed to get into fights. So Archie tells this really cryptic speech about him and Jughead and this girl, which we suppose is Miss Grundy he's talking about because Jughead does not approve. And um, Fred's all, this is the most honest talk we've had in a while, which is really not saying much because Archie was being extremely hard to understand and didn't actually really say anything beyond like, I want to do the right thing, but this girl doesn't. Um, So I I mean, like you got to imagine that Fred knows all of Archie's friends and all of the girls in town. So I'm not really sure how like I would feel if... It just doesn't seem like he's he's opening up enough to where Fred, like, wouldn't question more of what he's saying. I think it could also be a thing where he's used to getting, like, absolutely nothing from Archie lately. Uh, whereas, at least he's getting a little bit here. So maybe he's just trying to encourage that so that in the future, maybe Archie will continue to be more open and honest and communicate better. But I, That's I'm not a parent, right. so... Yeah, that's probably right. Well, luckily, everything seems to work out in terms of that because Archie tells Miss Grundy that he is going to go to the principal and tell him about the gunshot he heard. And because of this, Jughead and Archie make up, and it's cute. And Jughead says that they're going to talk about this to be friends, and they're going to want to eat burgers. Um, Over many plates I- <laughs> of burgers. Yeah. They, how like. Kirsten, you're the one who read a lot of Archie comics, and Jughead, obviously, in the comics, is known as being a glutton, and he's eating all the time, and he really likes burgers. I know a lot of people were really upset when this first aired, about, like, two episodes in, still not even seeing Jughead eat a burger. Did that bother you at all when you were watching it? It really did. I was like, because the thing is, is it's not like you see Jughead eating, like, a single burger wrapped in foil. You see Jughead with a plate that is stacked with easily, like, 15 burgers that he, like, eats in one sitting often in the comics so to have never even seen him eat one burger i was like you don't even know who jughead is he likes to eat okay it it didn't bother me as much just because i don't think like i can't realistically buy that someone who eats that much could somehow have like magical metabolism and be as skinny as cole sprouse is but it it would have been nice to at least see him like I don't know, channeling, um, uh, what's channeling Brad Pitt from Ocean's Eleven, where in every scene he's like holding, you know, chips or eating, or at least chewing gum or eating like a lollipop or something. It would have been cool to just see him have something a little small. That would have been nice. Do it for the fans. Well, Jughead's not a real person, right? So that's why he doesn't eat. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah, because <laughs> Jughead is a uh, is a ghost or whatever. There, uh, there's so many, so many things about that. We'll get to that later. Um, so yeah, at the end of the episode, we see that Archie does go to the principal to tell him about the judge ju- gunshot, but the sheriff then comes out and the principal and the sheriff go to yet another biology class, which is apparently the only class they take. Um, and Cheryl's like, yeah, hey, I'm guilty. You'll find out soon enough. And she gets taken away and we get some more Jughead voiceover at the end of the episode saying that the autopsy revealed that Jason did not die on on July 4th, but instead he died over a week later. So, intrigue. I think that was a really good ending of an episode, actually. The end of this one I like. The whole episode, not as much. Yeah, I think it ends on a good note. It sets us up. I think they do a really good job at hooking people in. And I watched this after it was on Netflix and all the episodes were out. Um, so it was immediately, I just wanted to keep watching the next one because they hook you in with the ends of these episodes. And going back and watching them individually right now is making me pick apart more of like what I thought of the episode in general, because I did, I did watch all of them back to back to back that it was really hard for me to remember like which pieces were from which specific episodes. But, um, yeah, like when you're marathoning a show and it ends like that, how can you not just go on to the next one? Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that when we get to some more stuff about Cheryl, uh, in a minute. The only other things I was really going to mention about the Archie plot sort of have more to do with Jughead. So at the beginning of the episode, Jughead is joking about Jason Blossom's death to get out of P.E. And this is like one of those things looking back at season one that kind of makes me think like, I'm not sure if they're trying to make us like or dislike Jughead. Are we supposed to be like, haha, yeah, some kids would do that. Or are we supposed to think like, wow, he's really just heartless and does not appear to care. He's writing a whole book about Jason Blossom's death, but he's treating it so cavalierly. Kind of, I mean, kid was murdered. That's like the main thing I have about this whole episode and the previous one. My main complaint is just people not understanding and not treating it like a person died like they're curious about the murder but they're annoyed with cheryl and i don't i mean her brother died for goodness sakes yeah it's hard to kind of believe a lot of the storyline because people just they don't seem like real people like that's not how anybody reacts like when someone in a high school passes away it has like ripple effects and different groups are affected so differently and like for like when they thought it wasn't a murder, when they thought it was accidental, that's like extremely tragic and you would think that people would be so upset. And then when it turns out to be something more sinister, you would think that that would also have a different reaction. It's just really hard to believe, not just from Jughead, from like everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what we talked about last episode with like the the um, football coach giving Archie Jason's number, like just sort of the insensitivity and and now like people are worried about themselves for withholding information. They're they they don't even really seem to be that curious about who the murderer is. It more just seems to be about like finding out who's lying, more so than you know figuring out what actually happened with the death. Uh, yeah, it's like to them, uh, like us, it's a TV show murder to solve it, not a real murder to them. Yeah, exactly. Um, So what did you guys think about finding out why Jughead and Archie are not friends? It's kind of like, this is yet another thing that like, everything we've heard up until this point makes it seem like Jughead and Archie stopped being friends years ago. And then we find out, no, they, they stopped being friends when Archie canceled plans with Jughead to go on a road trip on the 4th of July. So like, what, a month and a half ago? Two months tops? 
just seems like a silly reason to not be friends because, like, it, you, I, I don't know, if two guys were going to go hang out, or even, I mean, two of really anyone, and then someone canceled on them, I don't think that would, like, ruin their entire friendship. Oh my god, I'd be like, thank you, I didn't want to go either. I forgot that they said that's why he, they weren't friends anymore. Yeah, it, it's like, it's such a minor scene. Yeah, it's so, it's so small, it doesn't really matter i don't really know what their plans were i mean and who goes on a road trip on fourth the fourth of july shouldn't you be like laying on a beach and having hot dogs and then like watching fireworks i'm sorry do they even have cars are they even old enough to drive what what kind of road trip is this well and i think that might be a a slight plot hole yeah they make it seem like jughead is suspicious of archie for like, killing Jason or something. So I, I, I guess what you're supposed to assume is that Archie canceled plans with Jughead and then, like, literally stopped talking to him, stopped answering phone calls, like, di- just dropped off the face of the earth, which, like, I can understand because he was upset and I can understand why Jughead would be annoyed with that. But it, when we saw the first episode, it seemed like Archie had been, you know, like, practicing music all summer and clearly, like, keeping in touch with Betty and stuff. So he seemed to be normal-ish, and, and now it's... No, he wasn't keeping in touch with Betty because, remember, at the start, they're like, oh, wow, Archie got hot this summer. And it's like, what, you literally never True. saw him walking in and out when you live next to each other? Come on. Well, I think she was she was away, right, doing an internship, so oh, God. maybe she was just coming home. Who gets an internship I... in the summers between ninth and 10th grades? Well, Archie did, but his dad has a business. Yeah, but so that wasn't think, an internship. That was a job. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. It, the whole Jughead Archie thing, you just kind of have to assume that, like, more happened than we got to see. Um, Part of the reason he probably started taking or distancing himself from – Archie started distancing himself from Jughead is because he had this secret relationship with a teacher that he knew – Jughead wouldn't approve of or didn't want to be around them, so he had to distance himself from his friends. Yeah, there's that. And I think um, the show kind of makes it seem like Jughead started being a loner and creepy, like, over the summer or something. Just people are commenting on it so much that I feel like if he was always like that, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. Well, people just would ignore him. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, how many jokes could you possibly get out of Reggie calling him Wednesday Adams when, like, he's been like that, you know, since kindergarten? Who knows? Um, I'm so I, I'm just picturing Archie trying to invite Jughead to, like, hang out with him and Miss Grundy and, like, watch a movie or something. And Jughead's just sitting there like, what is happening? I actually... Well, but that's the whole thing. What, you think that would happen? Well, I did Archie would over. definitely do that. Archie's stupid. <laughs> I went over to my uh, theater... No one was in a relationship, but uh, with this that you know this of teacher, <laughs> and I went over to my director's house from theater to watch the Dead Poet Society with other people who were also in theater. Oh God, yeah. that sounds yeah. wholesome, but also like there's some sort of seedy underbelly to that story. It's <laughs> <laughs> very possible. Um, I I don't know. I just don't buy that Jughead and Archie were friends to begin with. They just seem so different and not like. Well, like was Archie like sad and broody before? Do you think? I I would have to assume so. I don't know. We could talk about that more in the spoiler section. I don't know. Jughead's just he's just the best of times and the worst of times. I do love that he he we finally like we at least get more Jughead in this episode. He is the one kind of. 
snooping around and he catches Archie and Grundy in her classroom looking very coupley. I don't think he sees them like making out, but they're holding hands and they're very close. And um, he calls her a cougar, which I think is great because and Jughead, or Archie's like, no, she cares about me. But um, yeah, dude, Gross. I don't know. Are just Archie's horrifying. And it's just the language in this show, because Jughead's like, I, I used to know this guy once. He always tried to do the right thing. I'm like, once? You knew him once? This was like a few weeks ago that you guys were friends. You've only been mad for a little while. Uh-huh. <laughs> I knew him one time. I, I think the show would make more sense if they had stopped being friends years ago. I, I think that would... I'm trying to think how they could, like, become friends again, if that was the case. I don't know. You would need to factor in, like, a completely different circumstance, but... I would buy it more at least. One, well, two, in the last episode, Jughead says, you should just talk to Betty. It would it'll go a long way. It would have gone a long way with me. So there's obviously something where they just stopped talking or there might have been an yeah. issue and Archie just didn't say anything. Archie's dumb. He probably didn't even realize there was an issue. Ugh. I don't know. He, he He's really like, he's like the worst kind of person in a relationship who like, I mean- he first off okay besides the fact that he's just dating a teacher he thinks that it's a relationship when it's probably not he has like shoved away all his other friends just to hang out with this person except for veronica who he seems mildly interested in yeah it's very weird he's a great guy everyone loves archie um okay so shall we move on to betty and to some extent kevin who most of their scenes are together so i kind of lumped them lumped them in together betty's just having a hard time she's her her mom is horrible to her and doesn't appear to want her to be friends with anyone except for kevin it seems like her mom approves of kevin so there's that kevin's the sheriff's Um, son he's a good role model and example yeah, exactly. So I think they're okay. But other than that, you know, we, we I don't know if we knew this the first episode. I, it probably was mentioned, but Alice and Betty's father, Hal, are the writers for the town newspaper, The Register. So that's why they, you know, seem to care a lot about this Jason murder because it's a big story for them to write about. Well, and their daughter. They want, they want revenge on Jason for what he did to their daughter, which we have right, no idea with, what with happened. Polly. Yeah, we still have no idea what went down with Jason and Polly, but it seems to be a big deal. Everyone's upset about it. Well, but in this episode, there is a little bit of a conversation between Hal and Alice where it's almost like, like, Alice, you need to reel it in. Like, what are you doing? And Alice is like, this will be national news. Like, we have to like get in on the ground floor. Yeah, I kind of wonder if it was national news in the context of the show. Like, you, I guess Riverdale is always so separated from other places. I just don't know if at this point, like, you know, bigger papers would be writing about this. It wouldn't just be the Register. I would assume, though, they would show us a scene of, like, a bunch of journalists in, like, old-timey clothes, if that was the case. <laughs> yes, smoking cigars and wearing nice suits. But yeah, so Alice tells Betty not to hang out with Veronica, Archie, or Cheryl, which she's now lumped in. I just think it's kind of like, the the whole Archie stuff is kind of weird advice to give to your daughter. Like, oh, you like someone they don't like, you never talk to them again. Like, they live next door. How are you going to avoid Archie forever? I mean, that's what I do with my life. Is that not the right move? Yeah, I'm sure it's perfectly fine. I'm sure you have great relations with everyone. Oh yeah, I'm really good at maintaining those bonds. 
Yeah. And and Betty, of course, listens to her mother, and uh, that's just it. Betty never talks to Archie again, um, and Betty's pretty much written out of the show after episode two. So, rest in, up that Rest in line. peace, Betty. No, Betty immediately goes next door and asks Archie to walk her to school. So I, I really appreciate that, just, like, seeing that Betty does not take anything her mom says, like, with a grain of salt. That's pretty fun. I don't know how she expects to hide her friendship with Archie from uh, Alice Cooper, but... Uh, I'm excited to watch her try. Especially because she can't hide anything from Alice Cooper. Yeah, yeah, not at all. And so Betty uh, pretends to forgive Veronica. Uh, she tells Kevin, you know, it's just easier this way. She assumes that Veronica will kind of just forget about her. Veronica flies in cupcakes for her, which I didn't know that you could have cupcakes flown in. I feel like they would get jostled or they wouldn't taste as good or you would have to, like, put the icing on after they land or something. So, well, she probably bought them a seat on a plane. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, pay pay the cupcake maker to just fly them over themselves. Well, um. something that I liked in uh, this beginning scene with Betty and Kevin is that Kevin refers to Veronica as Madame Satan, who is a character from Sabrina. So we got a nice crossover little... Oh, really? I thought he was literally just being like, oh, she's a female Satan. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was a reference. Okay. Yeah, but, you know, like, I appreciate, I can understand where Betty's coming from, because I feel like this is how I was, especially in college, when I would see people fight, I'd be like, look, just, just forgive them and move on, who really cares, like, you don't need to get in arguments with people when, like, you're gonna just be around them, it's easier to tolerate them, I guess. I mean, she's clearly wrong, because Veronica does decide that she wants to be BFFs with her, but, And I don't understand Veronica's motivations at all. Well, she's the new kid. She latched on to Betty and doesn't want to let her go. I think she probably just regrets the whole closet incident. And, you know, I mean, who wouldn't want to kiss Archie? But I, is it really worth it? Like, first first week of school to do that. Yeah, she really moved fast. She Betty then does pretty much immediately fight with Veronica during cheerleading practice. And Veronica's right here. Veronica says, you know, it's not her fault. It's not even Archie's fault that Archie doesn't like Betty and that, you know, Betty's taking her anger out, you know, on the situation with both of them. And it's not really like anyone's fault, which I I agree with Veronica. And I, I think that, you know, it it should have been I, I don't know. You, you should never get mad at a girl when like the guy chooses them over you. I mean, people do it all the time, but like I've done that, but it. I don't know. I just would have loved Betty and Veronica to be bigger people about this. Well, I feel like Veronica is being the bigger person. It's Betty who who's not. Um, but it's one of those things where it's really easy to say, like, hey, it's not anyone's fault if they don't like you and don't blame the other person. And then it's another thing when you have been obsessed with someone since the second grade. Uh, and then when they're not interested in you, I, I feel like it's very easy to lash out at, like, the new person who came in and say, like, oh, well, like, if she had never come to town, this wouldn't happen. And that's not what she should do. But I can understand emotionally where that comes from. Yeah, that's true. It, it definitely does happen. I don't know. When I was in middle school, I had a crush on someone and my best friend started dating them. And it was, like, I just sort of had to laugh about the whole situation because I thought it was just, like, really ironic that, like, I was both of their confidants and I was sort of, like, the person they shared everything with. And that was the last thing I wanted was to hear, like, the details about their relationship. But I just kind of, like, pretended to be okay with it. So, I don't know. I, maybe I should have just, like, that's, you know, you, you have to give some props to Betty for, like, at least being honest with both of them about the fact that she was hurt and that she did like Archie. Um, but it kind of makes the whole thing a little bit more, uh, 
tense when it didn't need. Well, but it's TV, so. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta have some drama somewhere. Um, and uh, so instead, Betty is just like, oh, you know what would really make Veronica mad? I'm gonna hang out with Cheryl instead. So she and Cheryl become BFFs for, like, a hot sec, and they're hanging out, and um, they get in a fight because clearly Cheryl is just hanging out with Betty to get information about the whole Jason and Polly thing, and she um, seems to be blaming Polly for jason's death in some capacity uh so more intrigue there still don't know what's going on but yeah and she like says something really horrible about like well why do you think your sister had a nervous breakdown if it wasn't like about the death of my brother yeah and and at this point we find out like betty really doesn't seem to know anything about what happened she doesn't know where her sister is now she doesn't know what her sister knows if she knows that jason's murdered or not yeah and then and then um Betty kind of snaps and yells at Cheryl to leave and even says, like, if you don't leave, I'll kill you. So definitely getting a little bit of uh, a different side of Betty once again in this episode. I don't like it. <laughs> this isn't the Betty I know. I know and love. It's not, but it's the, uh, I guess it's the version Riverdale's going to give to us. I-, I love Alice coming in, though, and saging Betty's room after that. I was dead. I was absolutely, like, yes, she would be that, like, hardened journalist who's like yes you're on Adderall you have to be perfect blah 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 but then she's like yeah also I've got my sages and my essential oils and we're gonna really solve this for you and it was a huge thing of sage too I was like yeah I was watching the sparks just fly off the end I'm like something is gonna burn down in Betty's room (gasps) because of this maybe I should sage my new apartment oh my gosh is that like so does, I don't really know much about saging, but is it to like ward off bad things or can you do it like preemptively? I think both, but I don't know that much about it. So if any of our listeners are like really into sage and being a witch and stuff, let me know because I'm definitely interested in being more of that. Is that a correlation? Are people who sage also witches? Oh, I don't think so, but I would be. Is there a lot of saging in Sabrina? No, because okay. they're well. evil. There goes there goes that correlation. Sabrina's about the serving the dark lord. Really? Yeah. yeah. They say praise Man, I really need they to say watch praise show. Satan a lot. It's okay. great. Wow. Oh, I really need to watch that. Um, Hannah, have you ever saged anything? But I did have friends who would burn incense in their house. I don't know if that's okay. similar. It, yeah, it smells. I think so. incense Does is more smell? like a candle. Like anything you burn yeah. is gonna smell a little bit, but I don't think it leaves like a lingering smell. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah, Alice says that she told Polly about Jason and she says she didn't want them together because the Blossom family, everything they touch, uh, rots. So we still don't really know what happened. And she, Betty kind of talks about like, oh, maybe it's time I should go see Polly. Why hasn't Betty like tried to see her yet? I, I don't know. I, it sounds like Betty and Polly were pretty close. And if my sister ever just kind of disappeared, I, even if she had a mental breakdown, like whatever, I would be trying to talk to her or email her or see her or something. So kind of surprised that Betty just seemed to like not really care with what happened. But we also don't get a timeline of when Polly actually goes away. Like, does she does it? Is her mental breakdown down after July 4th? Is it before that? And she's sent away before July 4th? They they make it seem like it was before, like that Polly may or may not even know about Jason's death. Well, and what did they tell Betty about it is what I want to know. Because, like, maybe they told her, like, Polly needs to be away for a while and we can't see her. 
and then that would make a little bit more sense, but I I just wish we had more background info. Yeah. We're really not sure. So hopefully there's more information about that because that's probably the thing. I don't know. I mean, the whole Grundy stuff, don't really care about. I'd like to know where the murderer is, but mostly at this point, I want to know more about Polly and Jason because it just seems like if Jason died, Polly would be like the first person you would think the cops would go to and they don't seem to be... I don't know, if it was known that they were dating and that they had recently broken yeah, up. Yeah, it seems like it was more of a secret. Yeah, definitely. And then, once again, <laughs> Betty makes up with Veronica again. She sort of just, well, I don't know if making up is the right word. She admits that Veronica was right about everything with the Archie, Archie thing, and it's just yet another, like, scene in this episode where one second Alice is saying, oh, I'm so glad you're not friends with Veronica, and then next second... Betty's like, hey, Veronica, yeah, I'm sorry. You're totally right. Let's be BFFs again. You can't listen to Alice. No, you can't. Oh, so great. That's pretty much it before the stuff to do with the pep rally. So let's just go through real quick some of the stuff that kind of like has to do with Cheryl and has to do with the pep rally altogether. So first off, we get a little bit of Hermione Lodge, this episode, who seems to, after being denied work by Fred Andrews, she's now working at Pops. So how did you guys <laughs> feel about her in her little Pops uniform? And I feel like the messy hair was a little bit much, but I mean, it looked cute, but I don't know if it was like super practical for work. Um, well, I love the old timey uniforms. I think they're so cute. Um, I think the whole look was really working for her. Uh, and I just love the idea that this, like, very wealthy woman now needs to, like, bust tables. And she seems okay with it. Like, she doesn't seem to be, like, upset or, or feeling like she's, um, like, afraid that people are going to look at her or anything. She's kind of like, yeah, I need a job and I'm glad I got one. Well, this is also her hometown, so I think maybe not that many people are following her after she goes to New York. Maybe they know about Hiram, but they don't necessarily know her whole entire lifestyle once she left. Yeah, that's something else that we don't really get a whole lot of information about, like, what the world knows about Veronica and Hermione. I mean, we as viewers don't exactly know what's going on with Hiram. Uh, We just know that he did some criminal activity. That's really it, and that they're sort of running away from him. But other than that, yeah, it's... It's nice to see that Veronica and Hermione get along, and then Veronica's really supporting her mom's work, and uh, it's cute, so I'm down with it. Uh, Cheryl, on the other hand, is, you know, just continuing her whole, like, I don't know. I I was trying to see if there was going to be a distinct difference in how she was acting this episode, because the first episode, it seemed like she was, you know... she was sad because her brother died, but then this episode, after finding out that he's been murdered, I didn't see a whole lot of change in her persona. I mean, she's still mad at Betty, and she still likes mean to her, but, like, in terms of, you know, the rest of the school and, and cheerleading practice and stuff, she's just kind of seems the same as she was in the first episode. Yeah, and that's really bizarre to me. Like, I don't understand how they can really justify that lack of a change. Like, not even just with her, with, like, literally everyone. Yeah. And and we find out a lot more information about Jason, at least, this episode. Like, we don't know who killed him, but Alice pays off the coroner, Dr. Curdle, to look at the body and get information. And they discover that he has marks on his wrists and that it seemed like he was frozen for some time. So that's definitely 
like adding a lot more to the equation because someone who even if even if you're just thinking that he fell off the boat and then someone shot him like clearly there are some missing bits of information here well and here's okay sorry i just need to have a small rant about this murderer if you're the smart enough person that you have perfectly hidden your crime that no one suspects anything you've had them frozen for a a little while what the hell are you doing just throwing the body in the river like there's got to be a better way to dispose of this yeah i mean it, it seems like they wanted the body to be found just poor murder skills yeah um because uh yeah i mean no one no one really knew what had happened at all until the body was found in the river so i mean at least from my point of view it seems like the body was dumped in the river fairly recently like that seems oh it would have to have been there's no way that there wouldn't have been like insane bug activity if it had been there for any length of time I mean, like, I don't know how long it takes her body to decompose, but it's it's school time, so it's September probably, at the very least, really late August. And if he was supposed to have been, you know, it, thrown into the river, like, you know, July 4th, then he would be much more decomposed at that point. No, he would be unrecognizable. We say with a lot of um, forensics. I have watched no. enough true crime and fictional crime and read enough and listened to enough podcasts that I could confidently say that, Okay okay good to know good to know um i knew someone once who worked at a body farm and that was kind of part of their job was like analyzing how bodies decomposed in nature for like different amounts of time and different weather that kind of thing that is body farm coolest job that's what i want so i really struggled with becoming an organ donor because i really wanted to donate my whole body to science but only if i could ensure it was going to a body farm yeah i mean it's i like you would really need to separate, you know, like, the person from the body, kind of, uh, for me, at least, to be able to do that work. But uh, it's a- it sounds, like, interesting in theory. I don't think I could well, do it in practice. It's, like, so necessary, though, because what they do is they get, like, bodies donated, obviously, and they have them in, like, every type of weather, every type of, like, bugs, like all different situations to see what the difference in decomposition would be like. So then when law enforcement gets, like, a suspicious... Um, or like a body is found under suspicious circumstances, they can use the science from the body farm to be like, okay, well, it seems like this body's been here for three months based on that. Or like, oh, actually in these circumstances, it would go much faster. So it hasn't been here that long, that kind of thing. It's really, really cool. Hannah, you seemed really surprised. Did you not know these types of things existed? Had no idea. And like, <laughs> and then Kristen was into it, and I was like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> Never heard of a body farm. It seems like Hannah has like a well-adjusted normal life, and I don't really know what to do with that. <laughs> Either that or she just doesn't watch as much crime shows, one of the two. Although I don't think I would really have known about it unless I had met this person, but it definitely seemed kind of interesting. Oh, it's so cool. She had some pretty crazy stories. Um, yeah, so we also have, like, Alice paying the coroner with small bills. I don't know what we're exactly supposed to read into that, but I just kind of let it pass. Well, I think, I I guess, like, small bills are less suspicious. I think it's pointing out the fact that she's paying him for this information. Just, like, exemplify, like, pointing to that fact. Yeah, it's definitely kind of creepy. So, uh, I I love Cheryl's HBIC shirt. I think that's really cute and i love that they don't like 
even call attention to it or note, or, you know, mention it. It's just kind of something for the audience to think is cool. Or just Mary. Because um, no idea. <laughs> is that at the R- Vixen practice? Yeah, at um, the River Vixens cheerleading, Cheryl has a shirt. She's wearing the same, like, yellow and white shirt that everyone else is, but it says HBIC on the back, which for the uninitiated is head bitch in charge. So I thought that was Can that was we cute. get those that shirts? Has that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we can, all, we can all have those shirts. They probably make them. You would think that they would jump on that merchandising opportunity. But yeah, okay, so that's pretty much it until the pep rally. And pep rally is a big deal. Josie and the Pussycats come and sing, which, do you guys know the significance of the song they sang? I know it's Sugar. Yeah, they sang Sugar, Honey, Honey, which is actually a song that was written um, and performed by the Archies, the band, on the, like, video version of the comics. The band, the Archies, which is, I think it's, like, Archie and Reggie and Betty and Veronica. Like, Veronica, like, plays the drums or something. So, anyway, if you look up Sugar Honey Honey, you can watch the comic characters and Archie performing that song. So, it was a song written by the comics. And um, I can't remember the band that it was originally supposed to be written for. Like, the Monkees, maybe? Or something like that. Um, But they didn't want it because they thought it was, uh, I don't know, too cutesy or something initially. But... But it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good song. And I, I like this rendition by Josie and the Pussycats. Um, and I like that Josie and Cheryl seem to be friends. Cheryl needs a friend. Is it a medley? I thought there was another song mash in there as well. Yeah. At the beginning, she's sort of rapping-ish. So I think there's probably another song. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know what it is. But, um, but it's cute. And so everything is going good during the pep rally until... The football players run out onto the field, and something about Archie wearing probably Jason's um, jersey and also the red hair gives Cheryl, like, really, you know, she has a panic attack and she has negative flashbacks, and so she runs off the field, and Betty and Veronica chase after her. And this is where we get a little bit of, like, Veronica trying to be a good person she's comforting cheryl and i think betty witnessed that and and that makes betty appreciate veronica more the main thing we get out of this episode or this this scene here is that cheryl is crying and she says you know she's breaking down about jason dying so we really i don't know feel for her here but then she says that veronica doesn't understand that jason was supposed to come back so yeah i don't really know what we're supposed to do with that well it's it's definitely just adding more everything in this episode from the, you know, finding out that he was bound, from finding out that Jason was frozen, from at the very end of the episode finding out that Jason did not die at this, you know, on the same date that he was supposed to have, you know, according to Cheryl's story. Clearly, a lot more happened here, and that we than we were originally given, and it seems like Cheryl knows more than she was initially saying so so yeah so that was that was the last thing of the episode uh before they go to pops because you know cheryl breaks down and that really bonds veronica and betty even more together and so they decide to go get milkshakes and agree that they will never let a boy get between them again who is buying that i think nobody watching the show right yeah i mean they they immediately pan to jughead and archie coming in after that like yeah, this is not going to last long. But all. can we talk about something even more egregious? Betty gets a vanilla what? milkshake. What? 
I mean, that, okay. So I think they're Look, supposed I don't... to reflect the characters. So I think yeah. in some of them, Archie gets strawberry too. So it's it's going with their hair colors. Well, vanilla yeah, milkshakes are disgusting. That, yeah, they say that Betty gets, I think they old say like classic vanilla, vanilla or old-fashioned vanilla. And Veronica gets double chocolate or something or chocolate chocolate or something like that. Um, So... Yeah, it's a little too cutesy to me. I mean, like, Betty is clearly supposed to be the innocent one. Veronica's the new exciting one. Um, I disagree with you on principle, though. I, like, if I had to choose between a chocolate and a vanilla milkshake, um, I don't like vanilla ice cream plain, but I do like vanilla milkshakes, so. I'm, you know what, we're milkshake compatible because we won't ever want the same one. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And the other won't want sips of the other. Yeah, is I, well, I don't know. I mean, like, Kirsten, you're the blonde one. Aren't you supposed to then, therefore, if hair color <laughs> dictates your milkshake of choice? I, like, I like vanilla ice cream. If I have to eat it, I won't be upset about it. But I hate vanilla milkshakes. And, like, vanilla Frosties? Oh, that's wrong. Uh, Yeah, I think I usually get chocolate Frosties. Like, if you mean it, like, Wendy's yeah, or something. Yeah, that is what I meant. Well, it's the classic. Yeah. So I think that's what makes the vanilla... Milkshake's nice as it's the classic milkshake, but then yeah. the chocolate frosty is the classic of that. Of the frosty. Yeah, yeah you're right. Do they even make vanilla frosties? They do make vanilla they started frosties now. A couple yeah. of years ago, yeah. Oh, weird. Okay. Um, and I don't like them, but you, I mean, maybe you would. I don't know. I like the chocolate frosties. It's kind of different. I'm very picky with milkshakes, though. I normally get mocha flavored milkshakes or coffee flavored. Yeah, and then so Jughead and Archie join them, and then there's sort of a weird voiceover. At that part of the episode where Jughead says, like, oh, there were only three people in the booth. Because he's not real. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Do you think I mean, they like, were trying to encourage that, like, type of theory? I don't know. But, I mean, I know when the episode aired, there were a lot of theories initially that Jughead, like, wasn't a real person. Or that he was, like, a figment of Archie's imagination because he'd only seen talking to Archie. So, I don't really know where they were going with that initially. But I, I never really bought into that just because like Jughead seems like a real person but maybe we'll find out more maybe Archie three. is a figment of Jughead's imagination maybe this is all Jughead's imagination yeah the whole thing that I would actually a really buy. interesting book yeah yeah it's interesting it's definitely a thought but that's really the end of the episode so like I said not too much substantial just a lot of fallout a lot of Archie complaining we got a good song out of Josie and the Pussycats at least so I'm I'm okay. I'm okay with it, but I definitely think ranking-wise, I liked the first episode better than the second episode. I would agree with that. I know that one thing we also forgot to do last week was talk about the title of the episode. And one thing that you realize if you have, you know, caught fully up with Riverdale, all of the episode titles are named after, for the most part, TV or movies or books about murder or mystery or detective things and they sometimes loosely relate to the episode so for week one the river's edge was a 1986 movie about a high school slacker that commits a shocking act of murder and proceeds to tell his friends about it so i guess there was murder in there and there were high schoolers so that's that's enough of a connection it all adds up yeah and uh this week's episode touch of evil was a 1958 film about, oh my gosh, who would have thought of it, a murderer. Oh, wow. (laughs) And a kidnapping and police corruption. So So is that like a hint? Are we supposed to be expecting police corruption? I don't know. I mean, there's definitely police corruption in Riverdale, not as much 
not in season one so much. So what is the cringiest part of this episode? There, uh, there weren't too many for me. So I don't know if you guys came up with anything good. I when thought... Archie shows up shirtless on Miss Grundy's doorstep. <laughs> Definitely a good one. I thought the hand holding that Grundy and Archie did where Jughead sees him, I thought that was really cringy to me. I was just like, what? Because they're trying to be like light and delicate, but it just seems forced, and I didn't like that. And also when Cheryl just stabs and drags the knife down with the frog, I was like, ah, that's pretty cringy. Or just, yeah. You got weird vibes from that. I didn't like that. Um, I didn't like uh, Jughead and Archie. For whatever reason, this scene has always bugged me, and I've seen this episode so many times, but Jughead and Archie, with their, like, little bro chat by the bleachers when they make up, that whole scene, I just don't oh, like yeah. Jughead in that scene. He just he's bugs not me. He's like talking like a person. He's like, and no, he's, like, talking in a weird low voice, and he's like, oh, okay, we're gonna have many burgers over many days. I don't know. The whole thing just kind of just doesn't seem like like how guys would really talk. And I, I, I like, even after watching that this time, like, I, I don't believe that you guys are friends yet. I liked them at the end of the episode when they actually go to Pops. They seem like friends. But at that point, it just seemed like, oh, okay, all they had to do was just say they were friends, and then they're gonna be friends. Uh, that's a really good one. I'm fine with any of those really being... Yeah, they weren't. Ugh, gosh, I think that one or the the hand holding with um with Grundy. Those are yeah, I think between cringy. those two for sure. <sighs> yeah. So um, let us know which one of those two you think is more cringy, or if you have I mean, uh, any other competitors. I think we have to go with Miss Grundy because of the like pedophile standpoint. I agree. I agree. So Grundy handhold, most cringy part of this episode. Uh, what about the most normal person of the week? Okay, now hear me out. I think it's Reggie. Mean Reggie, he gets in a fight and he calls, I don't know if I can give it to him when he calls someone Wednesday Adams. Because Reggie is just a classic high school dude bro with um, just like his casual slurs. I find it very believable that a high school boy would be so hateful. Yeah, I, I think that he is, he's definitely the most realistic in terms of all the teenagers. Um, gosh, I mean, who else even is there? The parents really weren't in this episode much. I uh, don't buy Fred Andrews as, like, a good parent at this point, so. I th- it so- could also be Hermione. Eh, it could, but the, the issue I have with Hermione is that, like, I appreciate that she is realistic and that she needs to get a job and she gets one, but I'm still a little suspicious of the fact that, like, we see her later really loving her, um, you know, her wine and her fancy food and stuff, so it's just kind of, like, weird to think at the drop of a hat that she was just, like, okay going back to, you know, having to work in a restaurant or something. So the creepy part at the end aside, my my opinion was that it was Jughead for confronting Archie about doing the right thing. And telling him that Grundy is only looking out for herself. That he, you know, even if they have oh, a, that's true. a care or some relationship, she's looking out for for number uno. Yeah, he, he's definitely smarter than Archie and, and sees through that BS. That's possible. I just don't know if I can give it to Juggy, <laughs> Jug, Jughead with the whole, like, the way he talks to Archie. I don't know. But yeah, Jughead or Reggie. Because he refers to himself as Mantle the Magnificent. Oh, he oh, does? When does he no. do that? <laughs> no, no. Uh, Chris, is he off the list now? 
It just bothers me. <laughs> Did he do that in this episode? Yeah, he does it right before he punches Archie. Like in. The, oh my god. Yeah, I missed that. In this and in the, in oh. the okay, maybe this is the most unrealistic part. The freaking student lounge of this high school. <laughs> What the heck? They just have their own vending machines, you know, couches abound. What and where would they even have time to go to this lounge? Ugh. I don't know. I, I always just sort of assume they're like, it's at lunchtime or it's like at the end of the day, but they make it seem like it's in the middle of the day. So I'm not, I'm not even sure. I don't know. Okay. Uh, well, since he definitely was, at least he speaks like a high schooler i guess we can give it to reggie for this episode that's really all for today and we will be back next time for a recap of episode three until then you can follow me online at frail mary on every platform and if you're interested you can check out my revenge rewatch podcast i do with my sister laura on kowskicast.com that's cow with a k kirsten where can everyone find you online if they would like to? Uh, they can find me on social media at kirsten said what and if they want to hear me be even more of a train wreck possibly i just did the uh, bachelor draft and preview podcast over on rob has a podcast on the rehab up speed so Check that out at robhaswebsite.com. Yeah. Uh, by the time this episode is posted, the start of The Bachelor may have already commenced, but feel free to go back. Guys, and if you haven't listened draft. already, listen to the draft. I'm like, they always lose and their guest always wins. And I think that I am the one who is going to finally lose to them. And I'm oh, like dreading it already. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I always do a pretty good job with my Bachelor draft. Oh, I should have um, asked you to coach me. <laughs> I have, I have never once lost. I have picked the winner, uh, I think, the past, I don't know, six or seven seasons oh of any kind who's of on your Bachelor t- Who's on your team? Oh, I haven't looked at I haven't looked yet for this year, but oh um but I will I will do my research hopefully tomorrow before before the show happens on Monday. Hannah, do you watch The Bachelor? No. I do not. <laughs> you should probably okay, not then. start, to be honest. Yeah, you should probably not start. It's way too much. Plus there's like three seasons of Bachelor crap a year, so it's just a lot to I handle. think 2019 um, will be the year I finally finish a season of Bachelor-related content. We'll see, though. Hannah, I know that you have Instagram. Where would you like people to follow you? <laughs> so I still have not changed my username yet. Haven't gotten any suggestions. So you can follow me at Hannah VE, and that's Hannah without an H on the end and with four N's. Yeah, because uh, makes sense. <laughs> Choices. <laughs> So follow her and then leave her suggestions for what to change her Instagram handle to. Um, That is it in terms of the non-spoiler section. For everyone who would like to continue listening, we're going to talk a little bit about some spoilers from this episode that go all the way up through season two and season three. So if you're not fully caught up, be warned, you may may or may not get... uh, some spoilers there. Until then, we will see all of you non-spoiler people next time. Get it in out. Leave. 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 Okay, so now we are officially in the spoiler section. We also got some new characters mentioned this episode. Uh, Dr. Curdle, the coroner who we find out later has a son who is also named Dr. Curdle and also like small boy. And also he is was the son. What'd you say? I thought that this Dr. Curdle was the son. No, so in 
season three, when they go to him, they're like, hello, Dr. Curdle Jr. Yeah, it's like, there's definitely two Dr. Curdles. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure what the point was. Maybe the first actor just didn't want to do it anymore. Maybe there's a bigger purpose. We just haven't figured that out yet. But he, I looked it up, Dr. Curdle was not in the comics and is a character created for the Riverdale TV show. Because um, why also would got, they need a coroner in the comics? You know what? I don't know. People die. It, well, it could have just been, it could have just been like a doctor, like just the name of a doctor in the hospital. But, um, and then we actually got a little bit of mention of uh, Midge in this episode. I didn't talk about it as much, but um, there's a little bit of fallout between Kevin and Moose. Um, they were the one who's you know, found Jason's body and Moose still seems interested in Kevin, but Kevin, I think either based on the close call he had or having to explain everything to his dad, he uh, seems to be kind of pushing Moose away. Um, and part of that is backed up by the fact that Moose has a serious girlfriend named Midge. So yeah, probably shouldn't be trying to hook up with a guy who's already got a girlfriend. Not that they shouldn't hook up, but I think that like Moose should end things with Midge first. And well, and very (laughs) fortunately- Midge gets murdered. Yeah. So then yeah, it's exactly. okay for them to be together. Oh, gosh. I know. Like, I know. The things that are going to happen in this show are just crazy. One thing that really stood out to me this episode is when Cheryl and Betty are hanging out, they're definitely trying to give us the, like, Cheryl lesbian vibe. Like, I think they're trying to maybe queer baiting a little bit in this episode. Um, but it is foreshadowing for, you know, Cheryl ending up in a lesbian relationship later on. Well, and also yeah. after that, uh, when Alice comes in to clean the room, she suggests that she thinks the Blossoms may have something to do with Jason's murder, which happens to have a little bit of a truth to it. Yeah, so... They're definitely giving us some hints. It's kind of just a question of whether or not you notice them at the time. Well, and it's also, too, like, Alice being with the sage is, like, oh, she is susceptible to fall for this, like, kind of hokey stuff. Uh, And it kind of makes it more believable that she would end up in this, like, hippie cult in season three as well, I think. Mm. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, definitely. Um but uh, on the subject of Midge, my mom was telling me that when she used to read the comics when she was younger, she always identified with Midge the most because she was the only girl character who had, like, short hair like she did. So um, <laughs> just I feel like, you know, if you read comics, like, you're going to be like, I'm the one with who looks the most like me. So. That's really sad, too, though, because I feel like Midge, like, just wasn't really in the comics that much. She's like a bystander. She's not as much. Yeah, her and Moose are kind of just more of a pair. Like, they'll mention Midge and Moose. Um, and uh, they're both, like, very protective of each other and kind of, like, jealous of people flirting with each other. So they kind of have similar characteristics there. Um, but, yeah, other other thoughts? Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about that might be considered a spoiler? I think I hit my main observations. Yeah. Mostly I just want to talk about, like, Betty and Veronica, because Veronica said in this episode that she, you know, felt like it was her destiny to be best friends with Betty. And, like, I think it's cute that they're trying to do less of a rivalry and more of a best friend thing with them. And that kind of happens sometimes, but very much in the same way with, like, Jughead and Archie, where you're supposed to just, like, think they have this great friendship. It's all being told to us. And by season three, I just really don't buy it anymore. Like, they have nothing in common. They never hang out. Their plot lines very rarely interact. Um, And Veronica didn't care that Betty was gone for, like, two to three weeks. (laughs) 
Yeah, so it's just... Well, but when she realized where Betty was, she was like, holy crap, let me get you out of there. So it's like, at least they have, like, something. It's just not, I don't know, good. You know, Veronica is busy with her three businesses. She doesn't have time for Betty. She is working three jobs. Um... Yeah, not as much uh not as much of the parents in this episode. And honestly, um, I'm fine with it. Like the parent stuff in season 1 is boring. Yeah, definitely. Definitely until we get until we get FP, which we really haven't gotten any of yet. But I can't believe we haven't even met him yet. Next couple episodes. Yeah. It's uh let's see, is the next episode the drive-in one? No. Oh, sorry. I meant I meant episode um episode 4 cuz I know we're talking about episode 3 next. Uh episode 4, I think is the drive-in one potentially. We'll see. We'll get to it. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't really know exactly what they're trying to do with Cheryl in terms of trying to make you think that she might be um, a lesbian. I, I know that, like, there's a lot more of the Cheryl and Josie friendship here than, than later, and that definitely pays out uh, when Cheryl develops a crush on Josie. So, it happens. But I, I like the fact that they're friends right now, at least. Well, and I think, too, something that was interesting to me when I was first watching the show is that... I was surprised at how much focus there was on Cheryl, since when you think of the comics, you think of, and people even refer to the four main actors as the core four, so you kind of think of those people more so. So I was surprised to see how significant Cheryl actually was in the show. Yeah, Probably some of it has to do with the actor being very entertaining, and I mean, once you make the plot line about her twin brother getting murdered, you kind of have to add her in a little bit more. Well, and I think it's too like with the main cast, they're all kind of boring, and they I think needed that spark from Cheryl. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, they decide to throw in all of the gang stuff, and you know, drugs. <laughs> it pays out more or less depending on what you want in your show. If you guys don't have anything else, that's pretty much all I had written down for spoilers. I I just think since this episode was so much a part two of the first episode, there's not a whole lot to relate to anything that's happened later in the seasons. Yeah, I would co-sign that. Um, well, hopefully all of you listening are glad that we are going back through the first season. It's been... Uh, a joy to be able to watch these episodes quicker. I don't have to pause them as much taking notes. So not like a season three where I just have to pause it every two seconds to figure out what in the world is going on. Definitely, definitely shorter, shorter note taking. So I'm happy with that. Thank you all for listening. And we will be back next time for season one, episode three. Get ready for that. Yay. (laughs) All right. Goodbye. Over many plates of burgers. <laughs>